Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. All right, now look, just in case this is your first Sunday here at the park and you're thinking, what in the world is going on at that church, okay? We're using the old TV show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, to illustrate some of God's eternal truths about how to find new neighbors, how to be a good neighbor, and how to deepen the friendships that we already have. Somebody's at the door. Well, hey, it's the mailman, Mr. McFeely. Well, hello, Mr. McFeely. Welcome. <laughs> Good morning, Pastor Mike. I have a speedy delivery for you that's marked urgent, so I wanted to deliver it in person. Okay. All right. What is that? Oh, I'm going to need that. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. McFeely. Hey, listen, and uh, look, while we got you here, um, what, I've always wondered, how did you get your name Mr. McFeely? I mean, look, the show is a lot about helping kids you know, be able to process their feelings. So, like, I'm sure that that's at least part of the story, right? Well, that is an excellent hypothesis, Pastor Mike. After all, it is quite important for young children to learn to process their feelings. However, it is sadly incorrect. It's a little-known fact that McFeely is actually the middle name of Mr. Rogers. His name is Fred McFeely Rogers. That's how I got my name. Well, isn't that stuff that I had no idea? Well, fantastic. Yep. Well, it's been excellent seeing you, Pastor Mike, but I have many more special deliveries today. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks for coming by. Let's give him a hand. Good job. Thank you, Mr. McFeely. <laughs> and you know, the, the part that I love about the show with the mailman is that, get this, he always delivered the mail in person. Always. I mean, did you ever notice that about the show? Like, the mail never was in the mailbox. Mr. Rogers never went to the mailbox. The mail never came through like a little slot in the door. In fact, I think if the, it was set in a modern day setting, the mail never would have come through an electronic inbox either. The mail always came in person. And, and that was you know, by design because Mr. Rogers wanted kids to know the importance of showing up in person. That's the key. Because, and look, sometimes Mr. McFeely, like he would stay you know, because if the mail had like some bad news in it, he would stay and help Mr. Rogers, you know, kind of process through the mail. Because look, the message is clear. There are times in life when we need someone to show up in person and not just in passing, right? Look, I remember there's, there's been times in my life when I've needed somebody to show up in person and not just in passing, I remember when I, you know, first moved to Katy, I was single, I was in my mid-20s, and uh, I mean, I was desperately lonely. And there were four families in my church who basically just adopted me. I spent countless hours at their home, eating dinner and hanging out, and just, I mean, it, God used it to meet a really deep need in my life. And I remember when we started Parkway Fellowship, it was just uh, me, Pat, and Chris on staff. Honestly, I don't know what we would have done if we hadn't had each other. I remember when Amy and I first had kids, when my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer, when Amy's granny died, when Amy and I went through some really tough times financially. Our close friends and the people in our small group, like they were there with us to help us get through those times, but they were there in 
person. I'm like, I can't even tell you the countless times that when I've needed her, Amy has stood by my side. And when she's needed me, I stood by her side. Both times. <laughs> but, but look, my point is, look, my point is, there, look, there's times in life when we need someone to be there in person, not just in passing. And our Heavenly Father, He gives us some incredible guidance on, on what to do when someone is in desperate need. Because look, here's, here's the truth of the matter. When someone is in desperate need and some, they're going through a really hard time in life, sometimes we don't even know what to do. We don't know what to say, we don't know how to act, we don't know how to respond, and, and so like in those moments, we don't know exactly how to handle it, but we know we gotta do something. But our Heavenly Father gives us some incredible guidance on what to do in those desperate moments. And get this, if we will follow His leading, then God can use those desperate moments, not only to just help that person, but God can use those desperate moments to take a new friendship or a casual friendship or even something, an already good friendship, and he can use it to make it a great friendship. But we have to follow his direction when we do. So to help illustrate that, we are, and, our, and to find out what God wants us to do, we're going to look at a story in the Bible about a guy who honestly went through probably the most desperate times that you could possibly ever imagine anybody ever going through. Uh, the guy's name is Job. Now, if you don't know Job's story, you're not familiar with it, let me just kind of briefly tell you what happened to Job so that when we read the, the passage, it'll make a lot of sense to you, okay? Um, basically, one day the devil went to God and said, hey God, the only reason Job worships you is because you bless his life. And if you would ever let bad things happen to Job, I'm telling you, he would turn on you in a heartbeat. And God says basically to Job, he said, or basically to the devil, he says, all right, give it your best shot. And so literally in one day, in one day, Job loses all of his livestock, he loses all of his worldly possessions, all of his children die in a horrible accident, and then Job breaks out in painful boils all over his body. I don't know what you're, you're thinking, exactly what I'm thinking. You're thinking, man, I thought my Mondays were bad, right? But that's what happened to Job. But I want you to look at what happens next. Go ahead and look at your uh, Bible in Job chapter 2, or if it, you want to follow along your message notes, you can, or if you, have your, you want to follow along your phone, that's fine. Job chapter 2, verse 11. Here's what the Bible says. It says, when Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Naamathite, and uh, let me pause right there. I want you to notice, all these guys are from foreign lands. I mean, did you catch that? None of them are Israelites. And so, for us, don't limit your friendships because God might want to bring someone into your life that's different from you because I'm telling you, like you never know what God might want to do through that person. So just, you know, be open to that. Okay, so anyway. Um, they heard about all the troubles that had come upon him. They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and, and I want you to circle this, sympathize with him. Sympathize with him and, circle this as well, comfort him. 
When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. I want you to underline this part. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him. Because they saw how great his suffering was. So, through this passage and through what happens with Job here, what does God teach me about how to respond when someone else is going through a desperate time? Some key things for you and me, what God's saying to us. First thing God's saying to us is this. Number one, just just be present. God says, be present. That's your fill-in. Because look, these guys, they were present with Job. Get this, they didn't email him. Okay, they didn't text him a bunch of emojis. They didn't surf the internet to find just the perfect gift or meme. No, no, no. They met together and traveled and met with Job in person. They, they were there, they were present with him. Look, sometimes that's what people need from us, okay? They don't need more electronic communication from me and you. That, that's not what people need. People need to look into our eyes and see that we sympathize, that we care. Sometimes they just need us to put our arms around them and hug them and just let them know that we are there for them in their moment of need. Look, bottom line, they need us to just, they need us to just be present, right? Um, I remember one time when I, was, when I was in seminary, I was in my early 20s, and my step-grandmother became very, very ill. In fact, we knew that this was it. We knew that she was going to pass away. And so I, one afternoon, I went to the hospital to go and visit her. And, and the truth is, I thought it was perfect timing because literally that week in my, one of my seminary classes, we had a whole session about how to conduct good hospital visits. And my professor said to us, like, hey, look, when you're doing hospital visits, one of the things you ought to do is you should read scripture because we just read scripture to people, it makes them feel better. And he suggested Psalm 23. So, I mean, I, like a good grandson, I thought, okay, I'm going to go to the hospital and I, you know, go up there with, you know, my Bible tucked under my arm. I'm ready to, you know, like put my, you know, mad pastoral skills into practice. And so I get there and in the room is my granddad and Wheezy. Now, Wheezy is just what we call my great-grandmother, or my, sorry, my, my step-grandmother, because her real name's Louise, but the, like the little kids could never say it, and so it just came out Wheezy, and so like the name stuck. So anyway, so I'm there in the hospital room, and Wheezy's there, and my, grand, my grandpa's there, and I'm there, and, um, and you know, and we just told stories about, you know, growing up in the past, and we laughed, and we joked, and we held hands, and we hugged, and and I thought, okay, like now's the time to break out my Bible verses and let them work their mojo on Wheezy, okay? So I, uh, so I start, I, I, so I asked Wheezy, I was like, hey, would it be okay if I like read some Bible verses too? She's like, oh, okay, sure. And so, um, so I go to Psalm 23, just like I'm supposed to. And when I, I, I kind of turn up the volume when I get to, and though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, I get so, and anyway, by the time I finish, you know, reading Psalm 23, you know, Wheezy kind of, you know, rolls over in her bed and she looks at me and she says, she goes, well, that was nice, dear. 
I mean, I just wanted to punch my professor in the throat. I, I mean, because, I, I, look, she didn't need me to read any Bible verses to her. She just needed me to be there. She, she didn't want any of that kind of stuff. She just wanted me to be present. Because, look, here's the thing. When you're in those moments, there's no magical words to say. There's no magic Bible verse that's something that just fix everything. That's not what people need. They just need us to be present. And I learned a really powerful lesson that day. And here, here's the lesson that I learned. People need you more than they need something from you. When people are going through a desperate time, the thing they need, they just need you more than they need something from you. I'm telling you, it's a powerful lesson because like in those moments, the power is not in choosing the right words or even the right Bible verse. The power is in being present, okay? Okay, here's the second thing that God wants to teach me about how to respond. Number two is this, write this down. Don't try to fix or explain it. Please, when people are going through a desperate time, don't try to fix or, fix or explain it. Look at the part that I, I had you underline there. Um, that's when, Job, when Job's friends showed up and they realized how brokenhearted Job was, they didn't say a word. They sat with him in total silence. Now, I'm sure that Job had you know, at times bawled his eyes out, and the Bible says that his friends bawled their eyes out. They wept right along with Job. Okay, but here's the one thing they didn't do. The one thing they didn't do, they didn't try to fix it, and they didn't try to explain it. Because look, I'm telling you, like you and I, we're tempted to do that, aren't we? I mean, especially guys, okay? Let's be honest, because guys, for the most part, we're not really that comfortable with like extended periods of silence. Um, and so, and for us, we like to fix things. So like if something's, you know, broken or something's not working like it should, like we just want to get in there and try to fix it. Okay, but these guys did not do that. They didn't try to fix it. Because the truth is, I mean, how, how would they have tried to fix it anyway? It, it, people, it, people in those situations, like, they don't need you to fix it. They need you to just be present. They need you to care. They need you to sympathize. I mean, they just need you to love, okay? And here's the thing. There's nothing that you can do that's going to fix it anyway, right? So quit trying to do that. Second thing they didn't do is they didn't try to explain it. They didn't try to explain, like, why God allowed this thing to happen. But that, I mean, look, we try to do that all the time. When somebody's going through a hard time or, they, or something's happened that's traumatic, we try to offer them reasons why God might have allowed that to happen. Like, oh, I mean, the, you know, God's going to break some good out of this some way. Or, you know, that you know, God is going to help you become more sympathetic to people who've been through the same thing that you're going through now, and so he'll use that in the future. Or that, you know, God might even turn this into some sort of kind of a ministry opportunity. Look, here's the deal. You don't know why God allows things to happen in other people's lives. Get this. If you study the book of Job carefully, you'll find that Job never finds out why God allowed those things to happen in his life. Job never knows. When he gets to the end, Job never finds out. And so here's the thing. When it comes to other people and what they go through, 
don't try to explain why God has allowed something to happen because the truth is, you don't know. You don't know. So quit trying to explain God for him. Let God, let God take care of that, okay? I remember, um, I remember years ago um, when Chris Sedgwick, our youth pastor, and his wife Jill, uh, they were... You know, they were trying to become pregnant, and the doctors had told them that there was no way they were going to get pregnant without some, like, super-duper expensive medical treatments. And so, um, you know, we just, we prayed, and others prayed. We prayed with them that, you know, that they would be able to have a baby. And literally, miraculously, they became pregnant. I mean, it's incredible. So this was a super-prayed-for pregnancy. But... As the time drew near for the baby to be born, the doctor told him that the baby was going to be stillborn because of a condition called trisomy 18. And um, Chris and Jill were in our small group at the time. They, honestly, they just lived a couple of, 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 door, of streets down from us anyway. And so uh, they called us. They told us the news. And I mean, immediately, like our hearts broke for them. And so we, I mean, we immediately went over to their house, and when we, get, we got there, I'm telling you, we just, we just sat with them. I, I'll bet you we didn't say 10 words the whole time we were there. I mean, we just sat there, we hugged, we cried with each other, and we held hands, we prayed, and we just, we just sat there because I'm telling you, there was, there was no fixing that, okay? Like, there's no explaining that because the truth is none of us understood why that was happening. Oh, it's just, oh, it's just crushing. So we're just with them. So the time came for the baby to be born. And they gave birth to a perfectly healthy little girl. Her name's Abigail. She's in, our seventh, she's in seventh grade today in our student ministry, right down, right down the hall. I mean, it's just, oh. It's just incredible. I mean, Chris and I this week we were talking about we were both like, oh my gosh, you remember that? So I mean, it still wrecks me when I think about it. But look, here's the thing. Here's what I'm saying. When people are going through a desperate time, don't try to fix it. Don't try to explain it because you can't. And look, and here, here's, here's the cool thing. Even though Chris and I, like we worked together and, and, and we were in small group together and we were even, you know, kind of down the street neighbors, we, we already had a good friendship. But God used that to take a good friendship, and it became a great friendship. And now, 13 years later, I mean, when something happens in their lives, we're some of the first people they call. When something happens in our lives, they're some of the first people we call. Because if you, if you do things like God says to do them, he can take those new friendships, those casual friendships, or those good friendships, and man, I'm telling you, he can make them. Great friendships. Okay. Number three. Here it is. Write this down. This is, this is actually my favorite one of the day. Um, think God's plans, not my people. Okay? The, the third message for us today is think God's plans, not my people. Okay? Let me ask you a question. Do you think that God knew in advance that the devil was going to come and challenge God about Job? 
Well, of course he did. God, look, God knows things way in advance. That's what makes him God, right? And so, get this, because that's true, that means that God put Job's three friends in Job's life way in advance. Because remember, those guys were from foreign countries. They weren't locals. So this is, you know, these are no coincidental friendships. These are not happen chance sort of neighbors. They are there by God's design. God orchestrated whatever events needed to happen to happen so that God would bring these three people into Job's life because God wanted to use them when Job was at his lowest to prevent Job from going under. So, you know what that means for you and me? It means that God has a spiritual purpose for every friendship you have. For every person that you know, for every friendship you have, God has a spiritual purpose in mind. Okay? And that, that spiritual purpose might be to benefit you, it might be to benefit them, it might be to mutually benefit each other. I mean, I don't know, but the truth is, there's not a single friend you have that God has not sent in advance for his purposes. Because look, our Heavenly, our heavenly Father knows what's going to happen in your life. He also knows what's going to happen in their life. And maybe he sent you into their life for their benefit, or maybe he sent them into your life for your benefit. But Maybe, maybe both. I mean, I, I, I don't know. But here's the deal. When you're thinking about your friends, you're thinking about your you know, neighbors. Don't just think, oh my gosh, these are my people. No, 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 no. Think way bigger than that. Think, God, you have a purpose for putting these people in my life. Please, don't let me miss it. Don't think just my people. Think God's plans. Because look, God knows what's going to happen to you and to them. And he has already put people in your life for a reason. So don't miss it. Okay? All right. A couple of closing thoughts, and then we'll be through. Be because all these things are true, two closing thoughts are this. Number one. You ought to spend more time with Christ-following people. I, honestly, you just ought to spend more time with Christ-following friends, okay? Because, look, although God brings people in your life to encourage you when you need it, the truth is he gives you free will to reject people, doesn't he? You have the free will to reject people. And, look, I, and I understand because sometimes not all Jesus-following people act like Jesus-following people. So I... I Look, all of us are in process. All of us are working at it. You know, none of us are perfect. Everybody has bad days. Some people even have bad seasons of life. Like, I understand. But on the whole, for Christ followers, we're trying to follow Jesus a little bit more closely every day than we were the day before. So look, here's the thing. If you want God to accomplish his spiritual purposes in your life, then you ought to spend more time with people who are following Christ. 
Now, now here, don't, don't misunderstand. Do not abandon all your other friendships. That is not what I'm saying, okay? But what I am saying is, is that our Heavenly Father is giving you a chance, especially during this series where we're talking about neighbors. He's giving you a chance to rub shoulders a little more closely with people who are like-minded, with people who are doing their best to follow Christ. And those kinds of people, God can use to become a great source of encouragement and great guidance in your life. Look, I, 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 I know, at this church, like, we talk a lot about small groups, and, you know, it seems like, oh, small groups are, you know, the answer for everything, it feels like. Um, and look, and you can make great Christ-following friendships in small groups. But here's the, the real truth is this, is that any, any shared experience helps develop a friendship. And in church, that, that does happen in small group, but it also happens through things like, um, going on a mission trip together or a retreat or, you know, volunteering together. I mean, for instance, I've been volunteering. Although I'm the pastor here, like, I also volunteer at this church. I volunteer every Wednesday night to help lead a kid or teenager small group because I've been teaching my kids small groups ever since they were in pre-K. And through volunteering with people, like, that's how I've gotten to make some friends with people at this church that, you know, before they just viewed me as the pastor. But because we volunteered together, it kind of broke down those walls. And that's how I've really gotten to know people, you know, like the Scalachis and the Heads and the Arringtons and, you know, honestly, many other people, including other people that I'm serving with right now. But that happens because I volunteer with them. Because any shared experience helps develop that kind of a friendship. But you gotta make a commitment to just spend more time around those kinds of people for that to happen, okay? All right, here's the second closing thought. Second closing thought is this. I need to become a follower of Jesus myself. And maybe that's the step that you need to take. Maybe you need to become a follower of Jesus yourself. Because look, maybe the reasons God, that God's brought you here, and, and maybe part of the reason he's brought some Jesus-loving people in your life is because he wants you to start following Jesus. Because look, here's the thing. Jesus died on a cross not because of anything he had done. He died on a cross because of what you've done and because of what I've done. Because when Jesus died on a cross, he died because my sins put him there. Because look, here's the thing. Our sins separate us from God. But God so desperately loves you and he desperately loves me. He wants us to spend eternal life with him in heaven. And so he asked his son Jesus to come to this earth to die on a cross so that his death could provide the forgiveness for your sins so that all your sins could be washed away. And then you could have a relation with God here on this earth and go to heaven when you die. But that only happens when you ask Jesus to come into your life to forgive you. And then, and, the, and doesn't it make sense that the, really the only way we could say thank you for that is to commit to follow him as best we can from this day forward? See, that, that's what becoming a Christ follower is. It's asking Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you, and then out of a sense of gratitude for all that forgiveness and for granting you eternal life in heaven when you die, is to make a commitment to follow him as best you can from this day forward. 
So let, let me ask you, have you ever done that? Are you sure you've ever done that? You know, maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're like, I don't know if I've ever done that before in my life. Or you know you haven't done it before. But if you haven't or you're not sure you have, there's a prayer. It's in your message notes at the bottom. I want you to take a second. I want you to pray that prayer right now if you're ready. And I want you to pray that prayer while I take a moment and I pray for everybody else. So everybody, bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you give us some great guidance on what to do when people are going through desperate times. Thank you for those times in my life when I've like accidentally done it the right way. And I ask that you would help us, all of us, to do it your way on purpose because that's what you've designed it. And Lord, I ask that you would use those desperate moments for your purposes, that you would use it to take casual friendships or even good friendships and make them great ones. And so that that would be part of your design for how you want us to respond and for our role in other people's lives and their roles in ours. And so I thank you in advance for the friends you've put in my life because you know what's going to happen. And I want to say thank you on behalf of everyone here for the people you put in each of our lives because you know the future and what's going to happen. And so help us to respond like you want us to respond so that you can do what you want to do in us and through us. And bring us back next week so that we can hear more. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.